That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a 60-second by 60-second rewatch of Dawn of Justice. We have reached Minute 18. We are still deep in Nairobi, where we're wrapping up our business here. Whoa, whoa, boy, what has just happened? The Oh, what has just happened? It was like the coolest minute in the movie. What am I talking it was about? The 60-second KG Beast frame job. Exactly. Like, which, if we can cut away for just a second before we move on, just to reiterate, I think as you mentioned on Twitter, how perfect it is that not only is it a perfect 60 seconds, but it's also from, it's the entire and entirety of that minute, how well that works out. And I just think that's cool. Anyway, continue. Yeah, that was... um <laughs> A, th- a big takeaway from that minute that ended up being one of the coolest things I think now that, that I will go to when I consider this movie, especially as, uh, you know, when we're looking at the first 20 minutes of the movie, but we are arriving at minute 18 and I've about minute 17. This is the arrival of Superman. And in a minute that I didn't think there was a whole lot that stood out. This minute has now one of my most beloved moments that I completely missed, and I don't know if you've even noticed it either. Maybe I didn't. I was looking at the um, the radio chatter and hotly anticipating you doing your um, oh. <laughs> operative um, impersonation here. Python. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see what what uh, wonders await as we get into minute eighteen, starting now. You will see the inside of her head. I guess, yeah, when this minute begins, we're, we're kind of wrapping up, I suppose, we were kind of teased on both sides of this, right, that the CIA had sent drones to detonate the camp and that KG Beast had wrapped up their mission because he was coming. And uh, as this minute begins, we get a return to the CIA booth. The drones are fired. Do you have anything – was there anything noteworthy in the radio chatter that you wanted to call out specifically? No, it was just very appropriate. It sounded like something you would you would really like to, to yell into your microphone. Yeah, I just have it on, on <laughs> loop playing in the background all the time. I feel like we've, we've given Mr. Barton Bund enough uh, credit here for his role in the film because we get what might be the least expected but coolest entrance of Superman through the camera. At first, like, we, we get this – uh, we're watching the drone and then we get the news that there is a bogey coming. We get that fantastic effect when a helicopter flies through smoke in an action movie or when a plane does it where we get the little double whirls behind them. Yeah, the, like the wings. Yeah, and, and can just make out the flapping of the red cape and a human face smashing through the through the missile, smashing through the drone as KGB watches in a – like I, I want to teach an entire lecture on the tat tat rhythm of how these are blown up and how Superman goes straight from one to the drone and then off at an angle. Mm. And we get this grin from KG Beast because 
Lex's plan has been carried off basically as perfectly as he could have ever hoped. Yeah, it's funny. I watched this one last week in in preparation, and then we we ended up recording, not recording it yet, but so I just reviewed it to kind of refresh myself. And that was the literal only note that I added to my notes from last week was to call out that KG beast smirk. It's so it's so the perfect, you know, he's very proud of that 60 second job and uh, and he's showing it here. You know what the hits my head every time we get Superman flying through that drone is, though? Hmm. Are you effing stupid? Are you effing stupid? That's a 12 million dollar piece of hardware from uh, Man of Steel when he drops the drone at the end. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a drone? That, yeah, I, I was... Yeah, like, I, I haven't done it, but the, I'm so tempted to, like, get him doing that and then and then cut to Swanwick <laughs> and Carrie Ferris. Like, are you effing stupid? Well, first of all, just because it's, like, that most hilarious line from Man yep. of Steel. But, but second of all, because I think they're even in, like, a desert location there. Like, I bet yep. that could be swapped in here and, like, nobody would even... Like, he just oh, comes driving... Like, Swanwick just comes driving up in the middle of Nairobi. <laughs> It was a training exercise, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, it is great. Now I'll have that in my head every time I watch this. But the, the only thing I, I did want to call out, because after this, we get uh, shot into Amajog's fortress where he has Lois at gunpoint because he, like KG Beast, knows what is happening. Smash down through the fortress into the light of Superman. We get this dramatic zoom in on on Henry Cavill raising his face. This is his official entry into the movie. We get the terrific uh, Hans Zimmer boom dome, right? Yeah, it's a very cool, very cool moment. I, it's it's hard to think of uh, what entrance I was expecting from Superman, but I remember in the theater the smile that it brought to my face. Not only just seeing him kind of arrive without saying anything, but how the rest of this scene plays out between Lois and him with the exchanging of glances and everything a very strong introduction yeah well i remember watching this also that was a big question for me after coming out of man of steel and there's all the criticisms and all of a sudden everybody has an opinion on what superman should be ironically going into it's so ironic that that's such a hot topic going into this movie is people don't know what superman should be and so there's a question of you know will there be any course correction or what's gonna how are they gonna treat the character to compensate for people's complaints about man of steel and then we get into batman v superman and not only do they show the metropolis destruction again but they show that it was actually worse than we thought from Man of Steel. So then there's this, you know, I'm, we're almost 20 minutes into the movie and you're wondering what happened, how do they introduce Superman? The first way they introduce him is going to say a lot about their, how they're reacting to, uh, you know, like, a, it look, like, look at what they did with Justice League, right? How they, they bring in Superman with the, that Joss Whedon cell phone shot at the beginning yeah. is very much like that's them trying to course correct the character. And so there's the question of, you know, back then you were wondering if they were going to do something like that here. Obviously not like that because we didn't know at the time. But yeah, so he lands and then he gives that smirk. But I've always felt this moment is basically just a Zack Snyder troll. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and I don't know, I've always had a a minor frustration with it, but not enough to not appreciate the troll. Because the first thing he does, he's like, there, there's your damn smile. Are you happy? Yeah. And then he just blows this dude (laughs) through the wall. (laughs) Like, like, oh yeah, no, he's, he's. I am not going to shy away from this. Although I guess he he then told someone on Vero that um, Amajag was not killed by that. Yes, which... he was. He punched the wall himself to to pull him out quickly. Yeah, which I mean, I I'm not going to say that that's wrong because I guess Superman is very capable of doing that. But yeah. um, Amajag is not uninjured. 
<laughs> Bye. The theater I was in and the theater or the reaction I've always had with people is they laugh. Yeah. Because it, Lois kind of sets it up that way, right? With- yeah. Well, yeah, because she gives him like the nod also. And my, my, I don't want to call it a frustration because, like I said, it's not not a huge deal. But I've always felt like it's almost a moment of bathos, which is it just didn't quite fit. But like I said, it, it doesn't ruin anything, and and it it makes complete sense with you know that he has the ability to do that without without killing the dude. I just mostly thought it was funny that Snyder introduces Superman immediately, gives him a grin, followed by a. Like uh, like he's teasing everyone that was um, or taunting everyone that was mad about uh, about Man of Steel. Him not getting a not being a happy enough guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, not being happy enough and being too violent. And so he's like, okay, there's your smile, and yeah. we're sending a warlord through a wall. Like- <laughs> yeah, I think that one thing I realized from this from this minute is that if you go by freeze frame, the moments of Amajog the split second realization of what's about to happen and the mass of Henry Cavill and the cape flying over Lois's shoulder and her reacting to it is better in slow motion than uh, live action. Yeah. Surely. Well, and one thing that I took away from it on, on this rewatch that I haven't noticed before is that Amajag says one more step and you'll see the inside of her head. And then yeah. that grin to me is almost like, oh, don't worry. I'm not stepping anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you know, to that point also, I mean, if you put a gun to Lois Lane's head, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. It, it's setting up earlier on. Superman in Man of Steel seemed to be a guy who was happy talking. He was, he was happy talking things out. Yeah. Right. And leading with his words like he was raised to, to kind of use his words and not his physical strength. And we're now opening with Lois because this is the world we're in. Right. He's, there's no way to talk about this. The guy has a gun to Lois's head and is threatening to kill her. So what's he going to do with it? He's going to do what, honestly, before this movie came out, everybody would say Superman would do. If somebody put a gun to Lois's head, that guy is not going to know what hit him. And it's going to be over before he can even blink. Superman is not going to try to talk down the guy who is threatening to shoot Lois. Exactly. Like in, or for me, anyway, in my mind, Yeah, I well, guess. it's the first in sort of a long line of sort of Sophie's Choice situations in this movie in general. Most specifically, it aligns- it's solved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it most specifically aligns with- with the the Batman moment um after the uh the warehouse fight which is taken yeah. f- you know basically right out of the dark knight returns you know the same threat is made and he just says i believe you and then and then shoots him and so this is k- basically the the superman flip side of that when you threaten a woman that superman loves he is not going to turn to words first. Yeah. So I, I don't think that is, is a criticism of his character. I think that makes him relatable. Um, yeah. I just always thought the optics were funny of not so much that the, the decision oh, is totally. wrong, but that they just put that right up front. Like, oh, no, this we're sticking with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, The other thing, the thing that I had alluded to before that is now my favorite moment is that I had not really appreciated how this was Lex kind of unleashing his plan. Now that when we talk about it going into it, it is very clear that by this point in the story, Lex knows we've been introduced to Bruce Wayne. Lex knows Bruce Wayne. He has already spent months manipulating his life as Bruce Wayne and Batman. He has now orchestrated the other side of Superman kind of setting him on his path to become, well, for them to just write gladiator match of the, of the century. 
The plan is carried off without a hitch in 60 seconds. Everything is now in motion and Superman lands and pasted on the walls behind him is a black and white checkerboard or a chessboard, obviously, if you're Lex Luthor, because Superman is literally the last piece to enter the game and he does it backed by a literal chessboard. The the moment I realized that when I was watching it as slowly as I was, put a very big smile on my face because he lands in front of it and it stands out as a, as a style choice. There's a close-up on him again with it uh, behind him. And then after he flies out of the room, we get a reverse shot of Lois following him out. And Lois is also now on the board. And it's it's like there's a very surface level to it. Well, black versus white, light versus dark, like I think Lex explicitly says variations of that before their big fight comes. And it would be so simple to say, yeah, you know, light versus dark, white versus black. It makes sense. It's it's a chess match. So for this step to show that the filmmakers knew that's exactly what they were doing because you you decide what you paint these sets yeah. as. This is seen as the heroic entrance of Superman, but we know after the fact that this is him totally obliviously stepping into a chess game that Lex is orchestrating between him and Batman. That is a brilliant call out. I'm glad you noticed that. I was explaining this to my wife, Catherine, and I got finished and was like, this has to be one of my favorite touches in the entire movie. Uh, after after seeing it and knowing how this plot is played out, that I always saw this moment as, yes, Superman's here. When in reality, like, now us talking about this tells me that this seven and a half minutes, I think, up to this point, this has been Lex's. And that is such a, such a cool inversion of power that doesn't change from this point forward is everything that Batman and Superman do from here on out is just being moved across the board. Like we've kind of alluded to that a couple times yeah. uh, with everything happening here and everything with the island scientists that there are all kinds of pieces on the board. And yeah, Superman was just, Superman and Lois were the last ones to be confirmed there in the game. Yeah. Well, now I'm wondering just how much we need to watch out for additional chess metaphors, like visual metaphors are, is not really something that people talk about as much with this movie. I think there's a few, but it's it's not like one of the core oh, yeah. kind of visual motifs that people talk about. But now that you point that out, yeah. you know, we've, we've got horses, we've got obviously, you know, pawns, and now we've got like the board presented yeah. at this moment. I'm kind of excited now in the in future minutes to kind of keep an eye out for additional chess metaphors as yeah. um, as Lex's plot unfolds. It, it, it reminds me of like the X's and the Departed or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hadn't, it had never even occurred to me. And I, I was so dumbfounded when I noticed that. So hopefully... Uh, whether other viewers or, or listeners have noticed it or will now have that moment of realization that I did, that is, I think it speaks to what you and I have kind of talked about that at this point, it still feels like when is the actual movie going to start? Like when is, you know, when are we done introducing where Batman is, where Superman yeah, is? I guess we're there now, right? We got a chessboard. Yeah, exactly. And I think after that, we get the punch through the wall and then that's it. We kind of shift to the, the arrival of <laughs> Python <laughs> and then his men to the compound on horseback, which, which brings us to the end of this minute. Yeah. And I was just going to say about the, not nearly as cool as you your, your chessboard so uh, <laughs> but the arrival of python and the horses um i realized that the horses are you know sort of a symbol of of death and i think last time we saw the horses i said oh these feel more incidental it doesn't feel as kind of poignantly placed as some of the other horse references in the movie sure but now that we, we bring them here the horses really have no involvement in in any of this other than they're just what they're riding but we yeah. do have the the horses sandwich the death like the moments of death here right so we see them yeah. right after like right to kick off the the 
KG Beast's kind of slaughter going on, and then yeah. Superman, and then they, they kill everyone in the village, or not everyone, but a bunch of people. Then Superman comes in and takes out Amajag, and then um, and then the horses come to kind of mark an end to the conflict, so it sort of bookends all of that. As we were kind of talking about horses as a sign of death that's going to transition really well into the next minute, when Python and his horsemen arrive, that's a really good band name for free for anybody who wants that. Uh, if you want to perform exclusively Hans Zimmer covers, we fully endorse that here on BVS by the minute. Tweet us your support at BVS by the minute. Hopefully the handle Python and his horsemen is available, but I believe that will do it for us for minute 18. This minute has now <laughs> set a dangerous precedent for even the most straightforward, um, you know, expositional minutes to contain some pearls. The next minutes we'll see, we're kind of wrapping up our section of Africa here before the movie returns to pretty much the characters and the setting that everyone thinks the movie takes place in. Yeah. Are we, are we, is the, the Lex Red Capes the new um, outro? Absolutely. Yes. I, I wanted to, uh, we, we talked about kind of putting into the spotlight some of the most despised, divisive and, and controversial characters and moments. That one was the next one to pop into my head. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a great call out. So yeah, just the red capes are coming is uh, probably just as good as Jimmy play us out in terms of uh, sign offs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope you really enjoy our talk about horses because you're going to be hearing them a lot. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if by land. Hmm. Two if by air. Hmm. Are you effing stupid? 